Welcome back to another news talk. On this edition, I have the second place holder for the most appearances on the podcast, Hobbs Q. Uh, Hobbs, thank you for I'm trying so to mad. catch up. I'm still best. so angry. <laughs> I mean, I'm so angry my... still. Look, like, this all is I'm bothering is me. That, all I'm saying is that Beth has has just outpaced you. I have to actually do a real count because off the top of my head, I don't remember what the actual numbers are. She's got you by at least three by now. Well, I guess two now that this one's happening. Um, yeah. So I, I don't like, know. This is the only reason I agreed to this. The I only reason I agreed to this is because <laughs> I, I, I hate losing to people. Well, I mean, it's it. Then why do you play magic Hobbs? This interview is over. <laughs> 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 just unplug the unplug the lapel mic just throw it all down okay um so hobbs uh because it's been so very 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 long since you've been on the podcast why don't you go through a little bit about who you are to the magic community uh for our listeners hello podwalkers and welcome to another episode of the goblin oh, lore oh, oh sorry <laughs> wrong recording so that's what I do. Uh, I am uh, one of the hosts of the Goblin Lore Podcast, which is a uh, Magic the Gathering lore meets real world and social issues based podcast. A lot of community, just elements in general. Um, a We are going on year number five. We just hit episode 180. Uh, so... We are, uh, that's what I kind of do. So my role in that, I'm a psychologist at the at a VA hospital. And um, so it's a way to me to kind of marry that love of mental health and my job life with kind of magic and with the hobby. Uh, my goal is always to kind of get things going with conversations about mental health. So you oftentimes find me on other people's streams, guesting uh, or taking part in charity events or the main things that I really am involved in. Um, I will be all around MagicCon 30 or the Minneapolis one because it'll be in my hometown. Or I guess, I don't know. At what point does something become acceptable to call like a hometown? I mean, it's not I, where I grew up. No, no. I, I said absolutely zero while you were out of the room. Yeah, I'm going to leave that dead silence in so we can get the real feel for what this is like. <laughs> <laughs> You're just uh, yelling. What did they get into something and then dead silence? Yeah, I would say I would say the hometown thing. Um, I I think like your town of origin obviously is your first hometown, unless like you're one of the military kids who move around a bajillion times and you don't really have a hometown. Uh, I would say that you as an adult can pick can pick your hometown when you've spent a significant portion of your life there. Um, like. I don't know. Okay. Really young was Minneapolis even so, like, around? <laughs> I didn't know what the Midwest was up until I moved here. So I, it was basically I had only ever lived coastally. Well, but I have been here for in, ten years now. In fairness, so I can you start, landed like, on Plymouth Rock. No one knew what the Midwest was. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I went to school out by Plymouth Rock. So, but no, I mean, like, uh, yeah, I, I, I would consider, I would consider. I've been in Minneapolis now a quarter of my life, just about. And uh, it is, you know, it's the place that kind of I really have a strong Magic the Gathering community that I'm a part of. And we're, I'm, so I'll be all around for that, the Magic Con coming up in May. Yeah. I which say, is also Mental Health Awareness Month. That's true. It is. Um, I would say, you know what? I would say that counts as your new hometown, I guess, like your 
your old hometown, your new hometown for your old years. I don't know. Hard to, hard to really get a good name on that. But anyway, speaking of mental health month, um, did you already tell our listeners what your day job is? I did. I said okay. that I was a psychologist at the I, at, at a VA. <laughs> okay, that was like five whole minutes ago. I'm not going to remember that. Uh, <laughs> um, I genuinely could not remember, but that's fine. That's what editing is for. Any host. Uh, so you are, as aforementioned, a psychologist for the VA, um, and you've been doing that for quite some time. And a lot of your concern with your career and helping people with their mental health bleeds over into your free space as well. Uh, You've done, I want to say for the last two years, you had a mental health streamathon weekend uh, in mental health month. Um, Yeah. Last year we did two, two straight days with, uh, I think I, I, I'm trying to look back. I think it was 16 hours a day of streams. Yeah, it was. It, they were long days. I and you. I think you had what? You had at least one actual panel during the course of that, didn't you? We did a panel. Yeah, we did a. We did like a two-hour panel with myself, uh, Mana Curves Chase, um, our friend uh, Chain Commander, and Robert Schuster, who used to be an employee at Wizards. Exactly. So we all kind of talked about our experience with. Uh, you know, Robert had worked in mental health and also has his, his talked about his own mental health kind of experience. Uh, same with Chase and I, who both have worked in mental health and also have talked about our own. And then Chain Commander or uh, talked about who, who the Chain Gang, Gwen, Chain Gwen. I don't even remember which one he was this past year <laughs> in our four clown throwdown. But he also uh, came on and talked about his his own mental health journey. And uh, yeah, so that's like a big part of, you know, a, a change that we had last year. Um, the second year doing this is trying to do more panels so people can actually talk about this stuff. But yeah, we, we, we did a lot of raising for the National Alliance for Mental Illness, NAMI. And that's something that we've, you know, we've done a couple of those just sporadically. But that was our big one last year. Two full days. I was a mess by the end of it, I will say. Yeah, I, I can't say I'm terribly surprised. Um, that's That sounds like it would take a lot out of anybody, especially someone so advanced. Uh, (laughs) but uh you're not doing one this year and that is because of the timing of uh magic fest minneapolis um but that doesn't mean you're not doing anything for mental health uh i believe you disclosed it on twitter would you like to go over what your intended submission was that you're still waiting to hear back on for the podcast here yeah yeah, so the the panel submissions just closed for Magic Con, so we're now in a period of kind of waiting. We proposed a panel with the Garblin lore hosts, so myself, Taya, and Alex, and we'll all be around no matter what. Even if we don't get kind of selected, we're still going to be there on Taya's coming in for it, as well as two guests who we haven't announced yet because we don't. We're kind of waiting to see what happens on if the submission gets just it gets right. accepted because, um, yeah, I, I, I think there are people that wouldn't people i don't think people would be surprised by them but i'm just not kind of giving names out but we submitted a panel called uh, how i sparked which is basically a planeswalker journey because we talk a lot about this concept of mental health recovery and it being a journey that you come to and for all of us we're all walking a mental health journey or working a pathway and the the concept of a planeswalker spark 
um, and how that spark comes about is something that we've talked a lot on the show about, in- including we've had episodes about, I have one about myself and how I sparked and, uh, you know, discussing different elements of that sparking both from joy, sparking from either pain or the uh, intense emotional parts of our life. But we would basically lead a panel that would be talking about recovery journeys, what that means in terms of sparking or how that might look using the planeswalker as a lens. So I, I think it's a really cool submission. I mean, like, I really hope that we do get picked up for it. Um, I don't know anything about how they how they choose those, but I think it would be cool to have one in Minneapolis during Mental Health Awareness Month to have uh, the Goblin Lore cast involved. And, you know, my, my guess is even if we don't get picked up, that's pretty easy for us to then just record an episode about too. Yeah, and for, and for a change, you'll all be in the same place. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I would say that that, that is that's is wild. Uh, I, well, you know, even what's funny, even Alex and I um, have not recorded an episode in the same room. And I, we did it. We've only did we did it a few times early on when we started the podcast. We would get together sometimes and record right. an episode like in person. But like even more so with the pandemic, and then with Taya joining oh, and being sure. out in Washington, it's completely different. So yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Um, but. That's that's not really your magic related stuff. Oddly, is not the main reason that I asked you to come on today. Um, the real reason I asked you to come on today is be or the main reason, not the real reason, because this was the other one was a real reason too, just not the top one. Um, you have been very open about something that your department at work has been doing uh, for a while now. And it was, you've been able to, I believe you, you'll be able to tell me if I'm wrong about this or uh, go into more detail. You've been able to present it to the AMA. You were all featured in an article in a newspaper earlier this year. Um, But that is that you have you and your department and team, whatever the right word is, have been, running a D&D campaign as part of a group therapy setting, um, which is just... Yes. So before we get into this, I do have to give a little bit of just kind of a clear statement of that I am not here, though, as like an official VA employee, um, as th- none of this is reflective on my employer. Uh, any statements I make are mine and mine alone. My opinions, they're not tied to the government or oh. an endorsement thereof. Well, well never uh, mind then. This, I do have to, this is one of those weird <laughs> ones where I, yeah, no, I mean, but this is one of those weird ones that like uh, my dual role is something that it can be kind of a, an interesting conundrum. Um, like how to talk about this stuff in it's out there, right? Like you said, they're, they're, they, 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 we, we, we had permission, but we had to go through to do the newspaper article where somebody interviewed us. And, um, you know, uh, and, and, and like from an actual like news outlet and like they came in and they talked to veterans in the group and there was photos. Like it was a, it was like a process to even just get permission to do that because, you know, that it, it's one of those things that we have to talk about, like how how it reflects on, you know, it's just the weird part of being a government employee, but also just being a psychologist. Like, I have to be very clear that, you know, it's like I'm not providing clinical advice. Uh, you know, this is something that <laughs> that is a weird, like ethical line that I have to kind of walk and discuss. You also can't really go into detail about the people that you that you've been the patients that you've been working with. You can. Yeah. Be like, yeah. John Johnson. I mean, basically, everything- one, two, three 
F F U way right. has been showing remarkable pride. Right. Like exactly. Like I for like the the purposes of you know, like I can't even give you I can't give you cool stories, right? I can tell you about what we're doing um, in kind of the very general sense of that. So I hope that that's okay because I realize that's no, that's, you know, I, I, figured, I didn't fully I figured that tell was you that be part. The case. But <laughs> no, I figured that was going to be the case. This is more of like a uh, well. Let me get let me get into the main questions that I have. So first of all, uh, this is to say the least a bit of an unorthodox therapy style for lack of a better term um like i mean it's i know that a lot of times with children yeah psychologists and stuff will use uh like board games or more of a one-on-one type game to to help people open up or to help the kids open up that's just you know that that's usually something we associate with kids thanks law and order svu um but <laughs> having I was like, wow, you you're really well versed in the role of children like child psychologist. I'm very I'm very impressed. Yeah. Having having only the four basic networks when I was younger really helped my <laughs> my wealth of useless trivia knowledge. Um, <laughs> uh, you, you, man, I would I could kill it at Wheel of Fortune, though. <laughs> but uh yeah, so it is kind of unorthodox in, in an adult population. I mean, even even with uh, – so in general, like we'll take kind of a broad step back. Um, play therapy and the use of gaming within therapy or games within therapy, like you said, main, mainly what we know about play is, is within childhood. Now, there is good research into the just benefits of play, the benefits of games um, broadly. Right. You know, gaming itself is a whole other category that there's a lot less research on. But the whole idea of kids being engaged with imaginative play is not something that we really think of as being like controversial. Right. Like, I I think that that is kind of a seen as pretty normal and pretty much a part of development. And there's a lot of discussion about how we lose play as an adult. I mean, I'm like preaching to choirs and many of them here because we're (laughs) all. Yeah, I don't know any adult players, many of whom are. Right, right. That are well out of like the typical demographic and many who play magic. I mean, play D&D, right? Like, I mean, there's like, this is one of those things like that. That Loading, immersive ready, world like is something. Like to have a word. That... <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, but I mean, yeah, like there, there's there are these these elements of gameplay. And um, years ago when I was a, a, a like starting out, um, still finishing up my training, um, I actually did a Magic the Gathering group in kind of a similar vein and with the idea that, you know, kind of teach problem solving, teaching gameplay, the, like the cognitive strengths that you can get from playing Magic. Uh, I had a group uh, only for a couple of months kind of teaching people to play Magic, right? Using like starter decks, basically, just to kind of teach the rules, teach people to play. Uh, it was right. in kind of a, like a, a dorm type program. So people, it was like a three week long program, intensive program. Mm-hmm. And people were going back and playing at night. Right. Maybe because let's, let's be honest, it was magic, right? Like, <laughs> people started playing and then they wanted to play more. Um, whoa, whoa, it's so, magic. <laughs> is that like DCMA? Are you like, this is actually going to like, cause your podcast to get taken down now? Cause you're singing. Oh, God, no, we don't have anywhere near enough listeners to get copyrighted. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. Thank goodness. I was all worried. No. Um, so like fast, fast forward uh, to, you know, basically going on four years ago, there was a trainee that was working with us who who now is permanent staff. So that's Dr. Allison Battles. So 
she is the one who kind of created this idea. So there had been some more, you know, we had kind of looked at what was out there. She had kind of found some of the early research and stuff on use of role-playing games or tabletop role-playing games in particular um, in mental health settings or in groups. And, you know, there was, it's very limited. Um, and some of those people have gone on to start creating organizations that are trying to get people trained or to try to offer these things in a wider service, but it's still a very new field. Uh, we actually just got back a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. Um, we had gone to a conference in, in New York, uh, to present on some of the early findings from our group kind of mainly this was a, it was a, it was a conference on group therapy so we were mainly talking about well what does the group look like how does it run what are the benefits of it that we're seeing so far which is kind of early you know it's still very early in having people go through this right. and it was cool because we got there and it turned out that there were four other groups presenting there were like four other talks on this and in past years like we presented at a national conference a couple of years ago it was like this was like a big, like four day national conference. We were the only talk on it. This was a much smaller three day conference and there was four different groups presenting. So it's kind of cool. We're starting to see a takeoff of it. And, and it was very interesting to sit down and see the differences and the similarities. And, you know, the similarities come from that idea of immersive world building, um, mm -hmm. teaching skills and giving people a place to kind of practice skills. And that's what Dr. Battles kind of, she came to me because uh, she had a lot of experience with D&D, um, having played it like throughout grad school. Um, she started getting interested in DMing and basically had gone to some of our, our higher ups and had mentioned like, hey, I want to do this. And they gave permission, but were like, we don't know how to do this. Like, basically, it was like, go talk to Thomas because he's a nerd. Like, I mean, that's that's literally how I believe the conversation went. Did, did you and, mean to drop your real name just now? It's fine. It's now out there. I mean, if we're talking uh, about this, right, like that we did have a newspaper. Yeah, we have to change topics now so, because we have a scoop that your name is not, in fact, Hobbs Q. Hobbsington, but it is, in yeah, fact, Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> it is, in fact, Thomas, right? And uh, um, yes, and that that has now been out on Twitter. So, you know. Good scoop. Uh, but, you know, like, um, so Dr. Battles uh, came to me and I, you know, I had like, I was very much like, hey, I, I actually don't know d, &D. Um, I, I really do, still to this day, I am not a strong d, &D like person. I, I'm, I've learned what I can of the mechanics. I'm, you know, I, I'm trying to, to help, but like, I, I, I don't know how to DM. I, I, you know, I'm still like, I can, I understand how dice rolls work. I know I understand how the mechanics sides of things happen, but it still is something that's not my strength. It's Dr. Battles is such a good DM. And she came with this idea of running a group basically for veterans. Um, and the, the initial goal was really to kind of work on like social skills to work on right. people who have kind of been socially avoidant people who maybe are struggling with some of those elements with the idea that, Group is a great place to kind of practice those. Um, anybody who has role-played, you know, the idea of really getting immersed into a character. And, you know, consciously or unconsciously, a lot of people when they play probably are playing different aspects of their personality or different aspects of themselves. 
you know, like either, and, and there's this whole stuff into like, sometimes when people create characters, they end up creating like idealized versions of themselves or the version they want to be, or trying to play completely against who they see themselves as. But it, but it's usually there are some elements that are going to, that are going to come out with how you play. And right. it can be a very good place to practice things that maybe are difficult in the real world, um, like conversations or interacting with, you know, the surroundings or NPCs or problem solving you know, trying to figure out puzzles or how things work, like all these elements that can go into a great D&D campaign. Um, so Dr. Battles created her own open world. I mean, her her world itself is just completely expansive. And what we have done is over the time is, you know, because unfortunately, right, it, it is group therapy. I, I don't mean right. that part, unfortunately. <laughs> what I mean, unfortunately, though, is like we can't have a campaign that runs for years. Yeah. Right. We can't have long stories or just ongoing groups. There, there is a time limit. You know, this is the nature of kind of group therapy in particular. And really what I think the VA sure. will support is, is there's a time to it. And so we've well, we started out literally three sessions into our group, the pandemic hit. So <laughs> we were designed as an in-person group and that was the plan. We were going to, you know, do this in a room in traditional D&D. And as we saw people moving to playing online campaigns, I mean, there, there were people doing this, obviously, prior yeah. to the pandemic, but it really took off with the pandemic. We had to make a decision on, like, you know, can we keep this going, right? This was brand new. And now it's a matter of, like, not only are we doing something that's new for this hospital, we're also doing something that's new to this hospital in the middle of a pandemic. And I will say that we got a lot of support because I think there was at least seen the value of, of doing this. And I mean, I, I will say like there's continued to be support, right? Like the fact that we were able to do an article, the way, the fact that we've been able to go to conferences, mm -hmm. um, the fact that we, we, without even really advertising, there is a lot of interest in this group, I think speaks to the fact that, it is novel. It is doing something completely different. Um, it is being, we're, we're being very mindful and clear with people that are signing up for the group. Like this is still therapy, right? Like we're playing a game. You get to do that. You get to engage in D and D it still is therapy and it really is meant to be therapy at the end of the day. Right. What, um, if I know that this is kind of a tough question to answer in general, because, you know, everybody is going to have a different spe specific answer here in from what you've seen, having been able to, you know, fight through the pandemic complications and everything else to actually keep this project going. Um, on a scale of one to ten, how would you rate the success as far as the goals you all had set for? For this obviously you you know you can't expect in a six session campaign people to just like oh boy i'm 180 degrees turned around i'm all i'm all brain healed up but like how would you how would you measure how do you measure success actually or failure or uh, not failure necessarily but yeah Right. Like, well, like, I mean, that's the question, right? Like, does this work? And I think that we're still in the, the early stages of being able to answer some of that. Um, you know, we're, we're correct collecting like kind of traditional measures of symptoms. So, you know, just how, you know, you know, like use a screening measure that looks at anxiety symptoms, for instance, and then you give it again at, at follow up and you kind of see, has anything changed? Um, right. 
we've been focused a lot more on implementing and we're like, we're continually making changes to the group based on feedback. And so we've been focused a lot more on, on like, will people engage in the group and how do they engage in it? So we've been collecting a lot of what you call it qualitative data. So um, there's ways of analyzing qualitative data. So it's like, you, you know, like doing an interview with somebody and then you, you code for certain themes that come up or you code for certain, like, so if you, if you just give open-ended questions to ask people about, like, what did they enjoy about group, you start finding, like, the common themes that come out and you find ways to code for them. But you're not collecting, like, numerical data at that point. So we've been doing right. kind of a lot of that. Um, we are also looking at things like how many sessions do people attend out of 16 weeks? Uh, what is the dropout rates? Because mm. historically in group therapy, that is a big component, right? Um and you could think about how disruptive it would be to run a campaign. I mean, right, this joke, like trying to get people together to do D&D every week and how often that actually happens for bigger like groups, right? Like the joke of like, oh, this was amazing. Now let's all pull out our calendars and try to find a time again. Well, you know, we have a benefit of having like a set time every week. It is during kind of like therapy hours, so during business hours. And so there are people that that are engaged with our group, but like that's a limitation, right? Like we we're... We are running it at the same time every week. It, it's during the day. People have to be able to attend. But we are looking compared to other groups that are being offered, right? Are people attending more sessions at least? Are they, you know, what's the, what? like I said, what is the dropout rate? Um, how many people are we getting that are interested in the group? So right now, a lot of this has been just kind of us seeing, can we do this? Will people express that they're at least finding benefit from it? So even if we can't, measure it in some ways right like we can't clearly say well you know depression scores went down by blah 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 blah, because we don't have one thing sample sizes that would be big enough to do that and we've been kind of doing this as quality improvement so like i said we've made tons of changes like okay we our first group cohort we ended up extending way out because it was moving from pandemic to not so then we decided to try like a 12 week group and after doing that for a couple of times, we we're consistently finding that it just felt rushed or it felt like we weren't getting a good story in. So we've expanded right. it to 16 weeks. Uh, we've added different elements like we do these transition questions where we ask people to answer a question before we start playing for the day. We'll ask people for a question that kind of is about that they have to answer within character with the idea right. of trying to get you into that character. So there's these elements that we've been continually tweaking, you know, like Dr. Battles is, will change. Her. She, each campaign is different, which is kind of a cool thing. She has her open world that she's created. She has a lot of like materials for it, but like on the fly is, is, you know, each campaign is still going to be different. So we're not running like the same campaign for everybody. So it's like these things um, we mainly have been kind of honing in on what it is that we want to be doing. And the conference was a great area for us to then be able to like, reset and kind of say like okay we've now been doing this for you know going on three years we've had some other postdocs or like people that have finished their doctorate but aren't licensed yet come in and do groups with us at different times and and we have other staff coming on that might want to lead these groups so maybe now we can offer two of them at a time instead of just one right like so like we're kind of at this like cool place right now actually like you're hitting you you and i talking is right at this point where we're having to make some of these decisions about what these groups are going to continue to look like um so i think that question of is does it work or not is that it's a hard thing to answer until we get 
more like groups doing it, I think it's going to be a hard, like that, that was the thing that we were really heartened by was the number of other people that we saw that are starting to implement this. And with that, you can start building up a research base. Cause like if each group is at least looking at something, you can start like trying to make like a theoretical reason for what we're doing and then hone that in. Okay. That's um, a very long winded answer of saying like, I can't tell you exactly how we say that it's doing good right like i i I don't think there's any world where it could be seen that we're doing harm right because i think at that point um if there were like like harm is a little bit easier in some ways to measure because you could look at things like 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 outcomes like hospitalizations or really high dropout rates uh and at that point like the hospital would be like yeah this was cool we're glad you guys tried it like ain't happening right like any hospital is going to do that right like like if something isn't working they're not going to let you just keep going yeah that's that's usually the case like oh man this 17th non-anesthetized open heart surgery didn't work let's go for number 18 can't believe we're having all these difficult patients (laughs) it's definitely got to be other people and not us (laughs) Can I can I be out of touch? No, it's the patients who are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, that actually that as you said, long winded answer actually pretty much gave the exact information that I would have, um, that I would have uh wanted to ask in uh, in any further questions. So, um. I guess the real question here, the final question, is what deck are you going to play at the upcoming Four Clown Throwdown? <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so far I have played two different partner decks uh, with Quark. <laughs> Quark and Sakashima, who uh, managed to storm off and then just narrowly, narrowly miss killing the, like three of you i killed two out of the three of you and then got promptly killed on my turn uh Uh, so sakashima went away uh timna came in um so uh timna came in to pair with to make like a mardu kind of deck which was about the monarchy in some ways to play off of mr bevers not really introducing the monarchy uh, (laughs) but it turns out that the monarchy actually helped him um and he did introduce it this game too uh so you know, I like I feel like at this point, it's like we've we've now lost embarrassingly to the Mr. Bevers twice uh, to the, the Mountain True. Monarch or whatever, whatever the name is at this point, because I don't care to remember it. Um, then I like feel like I like I need to amp the power level up. Right. So now I'm just like sitting here like, gosh, do I just bring something that's ridiculous? You know what? I'm probably going to go with Slimefoot Squee. So it's like I get the partners without <laughs> having to run partners. That's that's true. That's very true. Um, I mean, I, I, th- I think here here's where I think your specific problem is: is that anytime you play on a stream, thanks to Scott Larrabee's uh, intervention, largely your people are just encouraged to kill you first. <laughs> through what you tell me is no fault of your own but i feel like that's a lot of ire to draw 
for not having done anything wrong. Uh, I, I, I have. I am never the threat at the table. Um, I am you very good at threat said assessment. You killed two but... out of three people simultaneously. <laughs> yeah, but I wasn't a threat. I just did it right. Like I just <laughs> felt followed through. Um, but I mean, I, I like uh, I, when we were when I went to Richmond this past uh, gosh, like a year ago. Is that when it was we June? It, it'll be a year ago. June. Okay, uh, for so the, it's coming up on a year. Throwdown for clown throwdown. Yeah. So. What I found there, that was like my first time going to like a big event in a very long time, obviously. And um, I met a lot of people who I'd only known through online. And what I found was a common theme was even people who had never met me, like friends of people who were hanging out with us, made comments about how they felt comfortable attacking me because everybody who was like, oh, yeah, it's okay to just attack him. And like thought it was hilarious. And there was lots of there was lots of jokes being made about like, ha ha, killing Hobbs first. And like, you know, like. Anthony Alonghi was making that. So like people that didn't even know me were like, well, everybody seems to do it. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like people just think that it's okay because I have this like era aura about me of just like, I just want to be punched in the face, I guess. Or that's what people think. So you're, so you're the physical embodiment of peer pressure in a nineties anti-drug film. I guess like, Hey, just, just, yeah, just beat I, I'll him I'll up. Everyone's that. doing it. Just beat him up. Everybody's doing it. Hey, wouldn't it be really funny if you did something in chat chaos that only screwed over Hobbs? Like, I, I like hey, last hey. time you guys all got bullets to citadels and I didn't. And then like, I got one back and then I didn't even get a turn with it. Like, I mean, like everything that was happening was just like, I couldn't do a, like, yeah. Chat chaos I, loves to mess with me so So what i think i think this i think what you're saying here is that you need to somehow work on your crowd appeal and pity aspect because what you've got is heat that you don't want and you need to get the heat (laughs) what you need to do is get the heat to work for you instead of the heat working against you right like so like that's the problem right like like like, i try to think of how to do that i'm just not good at that i'm not good at getting that heat away so it's like well then i need to up my like it, like I need to create an arms race and show up with just like a CEDH deck and not tell you all. <laughs> okay. See that, that makes the heat work against you further in future. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm planning on using Thoracle against you all. Like that's, that's basically what my plan is at this point. Like how quickly are you planning to use Thoracle? <laughs> I mean, I'm playing Kess, so I'll, yeah, maybe I'll just bring Kess CEDH and go for like a turn <laughs> two win and then just be like, what? Sorry, I thought that's where we were going after every year so far. I cannot possibly imagine why you would think that. But anyway, uh, that that pretty much wraps us up here. So um, why don't you go through your socials or where people can uh, where people can find you if you want to be found? I guess technically you don't have to want to be found. (laughs) <laughs> please don't fight me um no i can be found on twitter at hobbs q or at the goblin lore podcast or I, I think we're just at goblin lore pod i don't know our handle type in goblin lore podcast you'll find us um that's where i can be found yeah that's that's it i tweet a lot just a warning if you follow me <laughs> heads up i mean you shared something a little too spicy earlier today on your twitter actually like that only pans yeah 
bringing out that early 2000s it had, uh, Christian music fan base with the skillet. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just saying we had there. There was a sensitivity warning because it, it was spicy. Well, it'd have to be. So it brought heat. It brought heat. Oh, it definitely brought heat. In fact, I think there was a lot. <laughs> there was a lot of weight to what you said with that tweet. I, I mean, fact, I, I can't to get the results, to get share. the results that we did, we had to use a lot of oil and turning up the temperature. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you do have to crank up the heat there. You have to make sure that uh, that you use your experience um, and your your time being well seasoned, really. Um, but what I can't believe is that you didn't take this tweet and just put it on the on the cast Twitter. That's <laughs> true. Just to get, yeah, just to get, yeah. That, I you think, know, I think I'm not that you smart. need to. I'm not I, a good social media manager. No, you've just got what you got to do is you just got to iron out the wrinkles in this plan. I hate you so much. You're just mad because you didn't think of it first. <laughs> yes, I am. Anyway, this has been News Talk Ops. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me again. Beth, I'm coming for you.